Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. Imagine yourself on a journey, a journey to a place that you desperately need to go to, but that's often misunderstood. A place that's always available yet rarely visited by most. With your natural mind, the process of understanding becomes lost in translation. Yet, with your spirit, you become awakened, strengthened, and refreshed. You become alive and brand new all over again. When you visit, not to mention live in this place, you find wonders beyond your wildest imaginations, and you suddenly find yourself taken away from the daily cares of this earthly life. It's a place where oracles abound. It's a place where personal revival happens, and it's a place where the supernatural surrounds every fiber of your being. This place is what the Bible calls being in the Spirit, and the process to get there requires us to be caught up by the direct hand of God. And though the Father longs and desires to take us away into this beautiful place of fascination directly with Him, oftentimes He decides to use a chosen vessel to help us get there. These chosen vessels themselves are often misunderstood, not to mention the incredible revelation, divine insight, and spiritual understanding they have. We often misunderstand the people and what they see and the revelation that they give. From visions and dreams to angelic visitations and prophetic utterances, these vessels have the ability to transcend our natural time and space into a realm God so longs for us all to tap into. And many times we think they're crazy because we don't understand. It's beyond ourselves. It's seeing something in a spiritual realm that with our natural mind and our natural understanding can be beyond us. And if you don't know what the Bible says about it and you don't get some understanding about it, you're going to write them off or think they're crazy. Many times God uses somebody else to bring you into that place so you can discover what God is doing in a way that maybe you don't know in the natural. I don't always see the way a seer does. In fact, most of the time I don't see the way a seer does. I sense and I know by the spirit and discernment, but when a seer speaks to me and shows me the things that are happening in the spiritual realm, I need to listen because they're seeing with their natural eyes a vision that I don't see. This is very biblical but not often implemented in the local church for various reasons. Spiritual seers, prophets, and intercessors have a unique way of living in the Spirit and continuously being caught up with the Father's affairs. God desires us all to dwell there and to bring His heavenly reality to earth. However, some more than others will make the decision and pay an incredible price to remain there. I grew up in a church where there were a lot of intercessors and prophets and seers that you just couldn't even have a normal conversation with them most of the time. They were so in the spirit realm that they could not even in the natural put into words what they were feeling or what they were seeing. And many times they would just zone out into the spirit and I would have to catch by the spirit what they were saying rather than even have a conversation with them. And I have learned to not dismiss them or write them off but to rather listen because God is speaking to those people in such a profound, unique way that I may not necessarily see, but I need them to take me and guide me into what they're seeing. Now, this is all over the Bible, but it's going to seem new and somewhat abnormal to you because this has never been cultivated in your life or cultivated in the local church. Now, it's normal for me, and I love these people around me. I love intercessors. I love prophets. I love seers. I love watching God move on seers and prophets. And I've learned many, many times when I'm having a conversation to allow these seers and these prophets to go where God takes them and not write them off or try to steer the conversation, but to let God show them what God wants to show them. Now, it's very important that you know and understand you're in a safe place to see. I don't really care if you guys think it's crazy or not, just so that you know. Where we're going and what we're doing is going to require prophetic vision and insight. I love seers. I love it when somebody says, man, I saw a lion behind you. There was a seven-foot-tall angel. 
Or man, you should have seen the glory of the Lord that was shining around you. Or I could see these giant demonic forces at the intersection of Waldron Road and SPID. And they've been stationed all along at every exit trying to prohibit what God is bringing into this city. Or when people start seeing things at different gates or they start to have open visions of supernatural realities that just because I don't see them doesn't mean that they're not real and I have to learn not to dismiss them or think that they're crazy because I don't see it. And that's what's happened to so many seers is they've been shut down or people just dismiss it or write it off and then those seers aren't safe, covered, protected, or affirmed. They're highly sensitive. They can be highly emotional. They can be high feelers. And then when they're not covered properly or encouraged properly in, a, in the context of a five-fold ministry and in a family, they get shut down and they just don't say anything. That's not what I want here. That's not what I want. Welcome to the seer, a one-of-a-kind chosen vessel of the Father who long ago made the decision to pay this price and live a life completely dedicated to the Father's grand purpose on earth. Anytime you are in the presence of a true seer, you have the ability to transcend together with them into the spirit and tap into the glorious wonder that God has in store for the moment as well as for the future. When I get around people that can see, I listen because I realize they can show me something or take me someplace or reveal something to me that I don't know. Now, I'm going to show you how Samuel was such an important seer. Gad and Nathan, who were David's seers, very, very important to David's life. And in the New Testament, God promises us that we would have visions. God promises us that we would see in the Spirit in such a unique and powerful way. But so many of us will not pay the price, or because of our natural minds, we're, we write it off and we discount it instead of saying, you know what? Let that gift flow. I have some friends, like I have several of you here that are very prophetic. I'm going to use my friend, Dr. Keith, for a moment. He has this incredible ability that it's so not of him that just comes on him and he opens his mouth. And if I'm not listening and paying attention, I'll miss what God's saying. And he doesn't even realize it a lot of times. But that gift so naturally flows out of him because he's been a yielded vessel, he will prophesy so spont spontaneously when you don't even realize it. And if I'm not listening, I'm going to miss what God wants to say in that moment. He'll see things, he'll understand things, and he'll put things into words. Prophet Kevin identified Jordan as a prophet. And there are many others. I see Mark Marquez as very prophetic. We have several people in this, in this room, Samantha and, and Jadren, um, Suji, and so many of you I know are extremely, extremely gifted as a seer and have a prophetic gift to see. But when that gift doesn't get cultivated, steward, and as Prophet Kevin teaches us, when the gift becomes oppressed, the person becomes depressed. And the challenge is, is when your gift is not coming alive, inside the context of a local family being used and utilized, you will go use that gift somewhere else. So for me, I loved tripping acid for a reason. I went to raves and Grateful Dead concerts for a reason because I loved what I would see and the colors and the supernatural, all those things. But see, that was a counterfeit of the real thing. You have to understand that. I was relying on drugs or alcohol or other things. I mean, especially not really alcohol, but getting high. You know, when I would get high, I would get so creative and so out of myself and out of my head that I would be able to do things that I couldn't do in the natural. But again, that was a counterfeit. Now, when I get in the spirit, and I'm going to show this to you, when I get caught up in the spirit or when God begins to take me into the spirit or when I join together with somebody else that's prophetic and a seer, I go places that I could only go with the spirit of God that drugs and alcohol could never take me. And it's way better. There's no hangover. I don't fall into sin. There's no debauchery. There's no, you guys know what I'm talking about. And so you have to have this supernatural activity alive in your life. And God wants all of us to see in different ways. And there's different ways to see. And I'm going to talk about that. Seers have a unique ability to catch you away. Let's all say that. Say, catch me away. To catch us away into the spirit with them. And when that happens, you see and feel exactly what the Father is seeing and feeling. 
That's why I want a church full of seers. In fact, I believe this church is already full of people that are extremely gifted to see and prophetic. I think God has been drawing them for a long time. And I think this may lead us into a school of the prophets and the seers at some point. Oracles, visions, and dreams are commonplace for seers. Standing in their presence, you can't help but feel the incredible love the Father has for you. And every encounter with the seer is an encounter with him. This morning, I was sitting with someone in my office, and the presence of God hit me while he was talking, and I began to cry and weep because I, could, I started to go where this person was seeing, and I was listening, and I was paying attention instead of trying to, to process it in my natural mind. I just had to let the wind and the spirit take me, and I started to feel the presence of God, and I started to go somewhere I could not go in my natural mind. But I had to be willing to lay down my natural understanding, to be caught up in the spirit, to go where this person was seeing and going. And I had to listen, and I had to pay attention. So I want you to sit back and take your time and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does best. He comforts, he loves, he pours over, and he prays. He prepares your life. The Lord desires to take you to a place of supernatural reality that will completely rejuvenate and awaken your soul by the wondrous beauty of his love. I love open visions. I love atmospheres that cultivate open visions. That's why I like long worship. Because for me, in worship and in the presence of a lot of people that are worshiping, I begin to have these incredible encounters I talk about it like the matrix download. It's like I'm sitting here in worship, and man, I am just getting these downloads from the Lord. And like even as I speak publicly and when I preach, and I look across this congregation and I see all of you, God begins to drop things down inside my spirit, and I begin to come alive and be awakened to speak the words that God wants to say in this moment, right? Sometimes I see something in a vision, but more often I'm seeing with my spiritual senses being discerned to understand something for you. I just have to be listening. But other people can have open heaven visions and see things in a way that gives direction and guidance and insight about what God's doing on a greater scale, okay? So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 28. I want to start off with Jacob. And I want to start off with Jacob's dream of the ladder, Jacob's ladder. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at, at his head, and he laid down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. So this is an incredible picture of God's covenant promise to Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob being Israel, and about his descendants and the land that he was in that God was going to give to him. He laid down, he had a dream, and he saw, he saw a ladder, and the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. Psalm chapter 24, verse 3 through 10. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Look at this verse, verse 6. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, Selah. We are called to be a Jacob generation. God wants us to ascend the hill of the Lord. God wants us to stand in his holy place. God wants to take you above and beyond where you've ever been before. God wants to give you vision of his heavenly tabernacle. 
But there's something so important about clean hands and a pure heart. There's something so important where we don't have deceit inside of us, where we genuinely, wholeheartedly, and honestly want to know the more that God has in store for us and not use it for our own selfish game. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face. The seer gift starts with sitting at his feet and desiring his face and letting him purify you and burn the things out of your life that don't belong there. As you sit with God, you begin to know God. The reason why I can preach the way that I preach and do the things that I do and release the things that I release is because I know him and I sit with him intimately and consistently. He's my number one desire. And because I know him, I can see him. And because I see him, I know him in a way that releases his promises for other people. That's me personally. I want to be a Jacob generation. Let's say this together. Say, Lord, make me a Jacob generation. And a Jacob generation is those who seek his face. Now look at verse 7. Lift up you head, your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. So I love this because lift up your heads, you ancient gates. Open up your hearts, you ancient gates, and the king of glory will come in. So it's tied in with ascending the hill of the Lord, and it's tied in with the Jacob generation. And so worship is so important. I get more downloads in worship than any other time. I can sit with the Lord at his word, and I get so much from reading God's word, but there's times that God says, I just want you to worship me right now. And if you're not having times of worship in your intimacy and in your secret place and not really worshiping, the king of glory is not going to come in. You may sense his presence around you at times, but there's something about the king of glory coming into your heart and ancient gates. I'm an ancient gate lifting up my head and the king of glory is coming in. And now I'm beginning to see and have visions and ascend the hill of the Lord. And I'm going to show you this powerful scripture. Watch this in John chapter 1 verse 43 through 51. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth. Now, I want you to know he was, he was skeptical. Philip said to him, come and see. So this is an incredible example where Philip took Nathan to come and see, right? So sometimes you have to have somebody like a Philip to bring you to the Messiah, to show you to him in a unique way. And of course, Nathaniel says to him, uh, Nathaniel's like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And verse 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Now, this is very important. He still was somewhat skeptical, but Jesus knew that inside of him there was no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you when you, were, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Behold, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is a powerful New Testament scripture where Jesus basically prophesies to Nathanael that he's going to have an incredible ability to see the angels of God ascending and descending from heaven upon him. 
Now, there's two words for see in the New Testament. One of the words is ido, and it means to see and to know. It means to pay attention and to perceive, especially with your senses. But there's another word to see in the New Testament, and it's the word optonomai, and it's where we get the word ophthalmologist. This word means to look and behold and to appear. It means to see and to be seen. It means to gaze with the eyes wide open and to inspect. This is a, a see that comes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, which says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see. Right? So one of the things that's extremely important that I want to talk about is if we're going to awaken the seer gift, I'm not talking about struggles or challenges or shortcomings on occasion, but what I really am talking about is there can't be any deception inside of you. Now, you can be gifted, and you can touch into that gift on occasion. God even spoke through a donkey. Okay, so I want you to understand something. I've seen some of you flame on at different times, and many of you have this gift that gets shut down for a lot of different reasons, but there can't be any deceit inside of you. And if there's any bloodshed or wickedness or selfishness, you're not going to walk actively inside of this gift the way that you're supposed to. Now, what I want to do is create an atmosphere where you can flame on in your gift and it be used. But if it ever becomes for selfish reasons, if it ever be, like think about Simon the sorcerer. He used his gift as a fortune teller to make money. As soon as he got born again and saved, he wanted what the disciples had. And he even said to them, can I pay you money for it? Why? Because his income was taken away. Think, think about it. He made money, he was a fortune teller, by using his gift as a psychic, telling people about their futures, bringing information about their lives, and people thought he was the great power of God. But when he got born again, what did he lose? He lost his income in his career. So he, he probably genuinely got born again. But then he realized, wait a minute, I need that kind of power, and if I can buy it, I can use it to make money with it. And he was deceitfully wicked. And so for us, I have to hit this thing in saying to all of you, look, I want us to ascend the hill of the Lord as a family. I want you to step into the more God has for you. But it's very important that our hands are pure that our heart is pure, clean hands and a pure heart, so we can ascend the hill of the Lord and see. Got that? So with Nathaniel, here is an Israelite in whom there's no deceit, yet he was skeptical. Sometimes we can be skeptical, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't, hasn't put that gift inside of you, and Jesus still identified the ability that Nathaniel will have to see in the Spirit. Look at Matthew 17, verse 3. This same word for ophthalmologist is when we um, on the Mount of Transfiguration, there appeared, something appeared to Peter and John, right? They could see now Moses and Elijah having a conversation. Hebrews chapter five, verse 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Now, what is an oracle? An oracle is a short prophetic utterance. Seers are constantly getting oracles from God. Constantly. Many times I'm sitting there, we're having a conversation, and then while I'm talking, they just kind of drift off. Right? So you know what I learned to do? Just pause and wait. In my early days, I'd get offended. Like, man, I can't even have a conversation. You are weird can't even have a normal conversation with you. But everybody say, holy weird. weird. Ta-da. God uses holy weird. And just because it may seem weird or strange doesn't mean it's not the Lord. And so the challenge is, is we have to cultivate that, and we also have to safe, have a safe environment where you can learn and where you can practice. Let me tell you a quick story. It's been a while since I've told this story. I led about 52 people, roughly 40-something teenagers and 12 leaders, to Key West on a mission trip from Tulsa, Oklahoma. We rented a Greyhound bus, chartered it, and off to Key West we went. And I already knew where I was taking these teenagers, to Mallory Square where there's psychics, tarot card readers, and magicians, and you know, cats jumping through hooves, and flaming swords and knives, and New Age Central, right? New Age Central. 
And the plan was to go to Miami Beach and do prophetic street evangelism, go to Key West and Mallory Square and do prophetic street evangelism. And I had a really great group of, of diversely gifted leaders, and one of them was a seer. And so we were in Miami, and we were staying on the floor of a Baptist church there that let us all sleep there. And we would have these worship nights that went till two or three o'clock in the morning and we would pray. And the kids had this wild thing where they would always dance in circles, right? And it was like this prophetic thing where the kids, just as soon as the presence of God came, they'd start to dance in circles and God would just begin to pour out and they would prophesy and it would be powerful. And so I got into a heavy prayer time with my leaders and we were all in a circle holding hands and there was a girl next to me who was a seer and we started praying for where we were about to go into Mallory Square in advance. And in Mallory Square, before you get to Mallory Square, you walk down Duval Street. And in Duval Street, about every 70 to 80 uh, yards is a psychic booth. And literally, as you come into Mallory Square, it's like the kingdom of darkness has this setup, this orchestrated, organized, militant setup, where as you walk to Mallory Square, there's psychic booths and psychics all along the way. Now remember, a psychic has a very real gift from God. They're just tuned into the wrong channel. And the information they're getting is from a demonic network. And just as you have guardian angels, the enemy assigns demonic spirits and forces against your life and knows all about your life. So when a psychic brings information, it seems like such incredible revelation, but they are very gifted from God. And many of those people are so perverted in their gift, but they make it look like God. You have to remember they thought Simon was the great power of God, and he was the sorcerer. And so as we were praying, I started to pray against this demonic network so that we would be able to accomplish the purposes that we were supposed to accomplish. And as we're praying... The, the seer next to me starts squeezing my hand in like sheer terror, like tight, squeezing my hand tight. And then she starts to cry. And I stopped. I said, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? She said, I see us walking down a street. And she began to describe in perfect detail Duval Street. Now, I had been there many times. I grew up in South Florida. And so she started to describe in perfect detail what that street looked like. And she says, we're all holding hands and I see us all walking down the street. I closed my eyes and I could see what she was seeing. And I said, what are you seeing? She started describing. I said, do you see this other thing over here? She said, yes, I see that exact brick bank building. I was seeing it too, but I was more tapped into the gift with her in that moment and in that time. And she said, and I can see us walking and all the, all the people in the psychic booths don't see us. And I see angels' wings that are covering us so that nobody could even see us. And we're literally walking right past all of these booths and nobody in the streets can even see us. Then she started shaking and trembling. Ooh, I got goosebumps just telling you about this. Woo. And so she started shaking and trembling and she's like, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I said, you don't need to be scared. I'm here with you. I'm here to, you're safe. God showed me something so powerful about the seer. So many seers are terrified to release what they see because they think they're going to be told they're crazy. And they don't feel safe. And the challenge is, is so many pastors don't know how to steward, safely steward seers or prophets. Why do you think prophets and seers and the move of the spirit is so abnormal in so many churches today? Have you ever thought about that? Why is hearing God and prophecy and signs and wonders and deliverance and miracles and the supernatural so shut down in so many churches today? There's fear that it could get out of hand, not knowing what it's going to look like, control issues. So you have to understand, if this church is going to go where it's supposed to go, I'm going to in many ways have to take my hands off it. God showed me that in our conference, seven-hour services, Midnight, one in the morning, all for all the world to see. Kids crying out, people being slayed out, people getting delivered, signs and wonders and miracles. Anybody that would look in from the outside could think, man, you are, this church is crazy. But I want to make sure you all understand something. I don't care. I don't care. 
You know why? Now, I don't want it to be not doctrinal, and I'm going to keep showing you more scriptures. Now, people say, well, you don't find the words here. I'm going to sh- I'll answer that for you. I'll answer it for you. You know, the challenge is, is we box things in that keep us safe doctrinally. We want safe doctrine, okay? But in the sake of keeping it safe and not going off the, the tracks, the wheels going off the tracks, we keep it in an area that we know and that's very clear and that's very understood instead of allowing God to take you in a place that maybe you don't know and understand, but yet it's still biblical. I don't want anything that's not biblical so that you know. But just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not biblical. The sad reality is most people don't read their Bibles and don't really know what's biblical or not. And so when you see it in your natural mind, you think, oh, that's crazy. That's not crazy. There's way crazier stuff in the Bible. And so she said, I see us now. We're, she's terrified holding my hand. I said, you're safe. And we could kept walking in the spirit and we got to Mallory Square. I said, describe what you're seeing. And she described Mallory Square to a, perp- to a T. She said, and I'm seeing all these demonic forces scrambling, running around in complete confusion. There's confusion in the enemy's camp. And they're turning on each other. Confusion in the enemy's camp. And they're turning on each other. And I see them splitting. And I see us coming in. And I see the power of God coming upon us in such a profound way. And the enemy's camp is in confusion because they don't know how we got there. Because remember, we got all the way in without them being able to see. So when we finally got to Key West... We went into Key West at 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, I want you to imagine a bus full of teenagers rolling into Key West right as the bars are closing at 2 o'clock in the morning. By this time, we were on our, I don't know, ninth or 10th day of our journey, and we had gotten our bus driver born again, and our bus driver was flamed on. So as we roll into to Mallory Square, he turns off the main lights in the bus, except for these like cool green neon lights. Now you should have seen these teenagers. They were on fire. They had their hands on the windows and they were all praying in tongues. Teenagers from little towns in Oklahoma are now in Key West, flamed on, praying in tongues with their hands on the windows. And we're rolling into Key West, right into Mallory Square, And the strangest thing was happening. The bus driver kept having to slam on his brakes. And he said, he got on the mic, he said, this is so weird. It's as if the people can't see the bus. Now, it was two o'clock in the morning, bars were closing, (laughs) right? But still, there was this mindset and feeling as if the wings of God were covering us. We rolled into Mallory Square And at two o'clock in the morning, I got the teenagers all out of the bus and I sent them out in groups of three, walking up and down, praying in tongues up and down Duval Street before we would go in the next day to minister at Mallory Square. Now, what happened at Mallory Square was so supernatural. It was so supernatural. I got to minister to a psychic. I've told that story before. I'm not going to tell it to you tonight. We went in and had divine encounters with God total confusion. The dock master did not want to let us set up in the middle of Mallory Square. I prayed in the spirit in my mind. The spirit of confusion hit him and his face got contorted. He looked, he said, oh, as a matter of fact, I do now have a space for you. So that's a whole nother story. But one of the things I really want you to understand by that was that that seer that was with me was terrified. She had to have a covering She had to feel safe to go. I needed her to take me where I couldn't go and what I couldn't see. I needed her to show me what was about to take place, which brought greater confidence in my mind to lead 52 teenagers or 40 teenagers and 12 leaders into Mallory Square. I needed the seer. I needed the seer in my life. So sometimes you need someone to teach you. And tonight I'm teaching you some of the first principles of the oracles of God. And this goes on to say, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use, everybody say reason of use. Everybody say full age. Have their senses exercised to discern 
both good and evil. And the ability to see is a sense. It's a sense, a spiritual sense that by reason of use, we exercise this sense. It has to be exercised. It has to be practiced. You have to have reason of use. So what am I doing now as the senior leader of this church? I am now creating a space and publicly and openly to all the airwaves and for all the world to see. Creating a space and a place by reason of use. But what do I need from you? I need you to mature. I need you to grow in it. I need to create a place where you can practice. Now, I don't fully know what that's going to look like, but I want to do some practicing tonight. It requires listening. It requires looking. And it's also going to require you to start living your life in accordance with God's design. Okay? So I'm not going to hit this too long, but I want to really make sure you understand verse 14. Solid food. Everybody say solid food. Solid food food is when I get around a seer or a prophet and they start to bring down the manna from heaven for my life or for your life, many times it's beyond the milk bottle. And I have to mature into the solid food. And I have to listen and I have to pay attention and I have to also eat the solid food more than just living on the milk bottle. And when that solid food comes into my life, I am now stepping into being full age or mature or of age to receive the more that God has for me. And I want all of you to grow up in this area. God exercises our senses or we exercise our senses with the Lord to discern both good and evil. So the seer gift is this ability to discern good and evil and the truth and to show us things that we may not necessarily know or see in our natural mind. First Samuel chapter 9, 9, this is when Saul was being anointed as king and was sent or, or headed to inquire of Samuel. It says, verse Samuel 9, 9, formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, He spoke this, come, let us go to the seer. For he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. So Samuel is a major prophet, but he was also a seer. And so seers and prophets are interchangeable. A prophet is a mouthpiece of God that speaks what they're hearing God say. They can also reveal the future in revelation about something or are about our lives. So prophets and seers are interchangeable and very unique. The word seer means to look, inspect, receive, consider, to have a vision, and to look each other face to face. Samuel was a seer. Look at this at 1 Chronicles 9, verse 22. All those chosen as gatekeepers were 212. They were recorded by their genealogy in their villages. This is what I really want you to see. David and Samuel the seer had appointed them to their trusted office. So David didn't put watchmen on the wall or to watch over the city without Samuel the seer together. And so what I would like to come into this place is where all of us are working together with each other's giftings and where I or you now have seers around us and in our life that can help appoint people in a position, give direction, give insight, and give guidance. Imagine a church full of seers. Imagine them coming up and releasing publicly the word that they see or what they hear or what's going on around us or in worship. Gad was a personal seer for David, 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 11 Now, when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer. So David had Gad as his personal seer. Nathan was also a prophet and seer for David. Joel chapter 2, 28 says that in these days, we would dream dreams and see visions. God would pour out his spirit for a purpose. All of us should be dreaming and all of us should be seeing. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why those get shut down. But seeing visions, being in trance, trances, it's all biblical. Paul was in a trance. P- 
Peter was in a trance. A transient state is like you're in a trance. I'm seeing something now that is above and beyond. That's supernatural. It's an open heaven vision. Sometimes I see it in the natural. Sometimes I sense it by the spirit. But I have to be looking and I have to be listening. Most people don't see due to pure hearts deceit or simply not looking. Sometimes you don't see just because you're not looking, right? If I'm living my life according to the flesh, I'll die according to the flesh. When I sow to the flesh, I receive from the flesh. So when we're consumed with money, lust, girls, porn, uh, struggles, challenges, this world, our jobs, all those things come in as distractions to hinder me from seeing the supernatural move of God. This is why you've got to fight with all your might and with the Holy Spirit to overcome them. Compromise will kill you and keep you blinded by the devil. Literally, he puts scales on our eyes and blinds us so that we can't see. But when we see, we come to our senses, the Bible says. I come to my senses, and now I can start to see the hand of God everywhere around me. This is what I love about seers. When I get around a seer, I just flame on. I'm telling you, when I start, like, what do you see? Don't give me your intellectual principles. What is God saying and doing by the Spirit? Then I can really start to build prophetically. That's why worship, every worship leader and everything that happens on the stage should have a seer element and component to it so that it can take us where we're supposed to go in that moment. And this worship's gonna start stepping way more in to a seer dynamic to go in new places and new directions that we've ever gone before. That's why you're gonna have to get past your nice little comfortable four songs, pretty songs and lyrics that you know all the time so we can start to sing a new song, okay? Because all of us are growing and all of us are learning. But the days of us just singing cover bands and songs that you know and you love, sometimes that will happen. But I want this church to shift in worship. I don't want this church to be the typical Western American church. Do you understand that? And if we're not careful, all of us bring that in here from our past. And our expectations are, well, I don't like that. I don't like it. It's going off the rails. I don't like that kind of worship. I don't like it going on. I want to be able to sing the songs that I know. Or I want, and then we start analyzing and we literally kill the move of God with our Westernized mindsets. So I'm just letting y'all know. I'm just, I don't want anybody to have a surprise. Okay, I don't care. I love you, but, but we're not gonna be satisfied with the same old. And the other thing is, the seer gift always propel, pro- propels an action. It always reveals something that puts something into motion. So I can't just go, oh, man, that was cool. You know, you saw lions, tigers and bears, <laughs> angels, ladders, mountains, rivers, open heavens, visions. All those things are, are designed to create and to make something, which is why we have to follow the Spirit and go where the Holy Spirit leads us. John chapter 1, verse 10. I'm sorry, First John, I gave you John 1. It was 1 John. You can bring that down. 1 John chapter 1, verse 10. This is uh, the Apostle John. You know what? I totally, this is Revelation 1. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, yeah. Revelation 1, verse 10. Revelation 1, 10. I was in the spirit. I wasn't in the spirit on the scripture reference. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard. Catch this. When you're in the spirit, you hear. And you're also looking. Spiritual senses exercised. I was in the spirit. Now, how do you get in the spirit? We'll talk about that in a moment. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, catch this, what you see, write 
in a book and send it to the seven churches. We have the whole book of Revelation from a seer. What you see, write. And send it to seven churches, which are in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, what did I see? Seven lampstands. Now, the challenge is, is when somebody starts to come to you and says, man, I heard a voice and I look and I saw the voice and it was a lampstand. Or whatever the vision is, a ladder and angels ascending and descending, is that in your natural mind, you don't write it off. The whole book came from a seer in the spirit, seeing, heard the sound of a trumpet, and he looked and saw the lampstand, and he wrote the entire book from what he saw. One of the things that I want to start doing in this church that I used to do a long time ago was I had a, a book. It was like the book of oracles. What if this church started stepping into more prophetic insight and revelation, singing the Spirit, and we scribed them? Because sometimes you don't understand everything that God says. Like, man, I saw this thing. It's like, well, I don't have any idea what to do with that. But I write it down. You know, John Paul Jackson, he had so many dreams that he had no idea what they meant. And they weren't even for that time. So he wrote them down. And then years and years later, those dreams would start to come to happen and God would say, oh, remember when I showed you? He's like, oh, now it makes sense. In fact, many of the dreams and visions that John Paul Jackson had didn't come to pass until after he died. Thank God they were written down. This is why I always tell you, write your dreams down. Write your visions down and stop listening to the lies of the enemy that you're crazy. Now, some people have drug-induced highs. Some people do make up things that are not of the Lord. But we're not talking about that, okay? Because we'll be discerning enough to know like, okay, that's not the Lord. You just know by the Spirit when it is and when it isn't, okay? And I'm not going to walk in fear. And I'm also not going to walk in fear to let you all practice and to let you know that you're safe and you have permission to fail. Everybody say, I have permission to fail. And I already know the naysayers are going to say, well, that's not right or that's not prophecy because you can never be wrong. The Bible says we prophesy in part, you practice and you learn. And if it's not the Lord, we'll measure it and we'll say, yeah, that wasn't the Lord. But sometimes it takes the practicing and the stepping out so that you can start to get more confident and bolder and your gift gets exercised, right? Yeah, you fail forward. So there's, there's a safe place here. Our church is in a wonderful spot for this to happen right now. So in the spirit. Now, this is just really an introduction. You can, I'm just giving you guys some foundational stuff so we can step into the more now. In the spirit, he heard a sound and he turned to see the voice. Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 1. And it came to pass in the sixth year and the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house. Somebody wrote down, sixth month, fifth day, sixth year. As I sat in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord God, what happened? Fell upon me. Then what happened? When the hand of God fell, so when the hand of God falls on you, you need to pay attention. And many times when the hand of God's falling upon you, it's because he wants to reveal something to you, and a lot of times it's for somebody else. The hand of the Lord God fell upon me there. Then I looked, and there was a likeness. Now I want you to see what Ezekiel saw. There was a likeness like the appearance of fire. From the appearance of his waist and downward, fire. And from his waist and upward, like the appearance of brightness, like the color of my wife. <laughs> he stretched out the form of a hand. Now just think about this. This is in the Bible. Ezekiel's having a vision and he's seeing. Okay, so this is like the appearance of brightness, the color of brightness. He stretched out the form of a hand and he took me by the lock of my hair. And the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the door of the north gate, the inner court where the seat of the image of, jealous, of jealousy was, which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there like the vision that I saw in the plain. Ezekiel 37 verse 1, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord 
and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. So what we need is we need people that are willing and able and saying yes and listening and looking for the hand of the Lord to fall upon you. And I, as the shepherd of this church, need to make a space for that. Now, you have to also understand that we're building this church on family, vision, and leadership with the supernatural actively intertwined inside of it, okay? That's why I say I can't live in the full-time world of Prophet Kevin Leal because we're building a family and there's a lot that goes around that. But I'm gonna die if we don't have those movements, the prophetic, the gifts, the seers, the supernatural, and especially in the context of worship. So the hand of the Lord came upon Ezekiel, the spirit of the Lord, uh, and he was brought out in the spirit of the Lord and he was set down in a valley of dry bones and God began to reveal something to him. So how do we see? And how do we communicate what we see? That's probably the big question. I didn't quote the story of 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 14 through 17, but I'm gonna bring it up. The king of Syria is like, who is advising the king of Israel? I need to kill him. And it's Elisha. And so he sends his horses and his army and the servant, Elisha's servant goes out. And he's like, man, we are screwed. This is a bad situation. And if you read the scripture, it says that Elisha prayed that the servant's eyes would be opened to see. And what did he see? The army of the Lord that was way greater and more powerful than the king of Syria's army. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com give.